I'm Tom Francis, and this is Next Up to the Mic, featuring readings and performances from the poets and spoken word artists that have appeared at regional events such as Albany Poets Presents, Poets Speak Loud, Brass Tacks, Nitty Gritty Slam, and The Word Fest. In this episode, we welcome Influence, who is our featured poet at Brass Tacks at the Lowbead on April 16th, 2019. Charmant Influence Little is a poet from New Haven, Connecticut, who has been called engaging, prolific, and truly passionate. He uses the art form of spoken word to deliver his message and belief that, as quoted by Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Influence's goal is to educate and inspire people of all ages and mindsets with a strong focus on the youth of the inner cities. He has performed all over the country using colleges like Yale, Virginia State, Boston University, and a host of public schools as his platform to reach the youth of today, as well as performing at some of the most historic poetry venues such as the New York Poetry Cafe in New York City and Lizard's Lounge in Cambridge, Massachusetts, just to name a few. Influence made a name for himself as a slam poet, winning over 100 slams nationwide and becoming a five-time member of the Connecticut slam team Verbal Slap, including being coach of the 2017 team and Grand Slam champion of the 2018 team. He has worked with and shared the stage with musical entertainers Common, Most Deaf, and R&B artist Rome. One of his greatest accomplishments was to have an opportunity to open for the NAACP Image Awards, Influence's first album was released in 2007 entitled Verbal Tears. If, quote, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, then Influence has made it a mission to use every ounce of his poetic talents to engage and enlighten his audience. Living by his own saying, quote, poetry is life. Live it. Please welcome, next up to the mic, Influence. No matter what you hear on the stage tonight, I need you to understand that a revolution is not a poem. It's not held in line by 28 rules or set in between two margins. I've never seen a revolution take a bow and have a room full of spectators applaud it. It's never schemed on rhymes and presented punctual punchlines. In fact, the only connection the revolution had to configure diction that it was born from the word tired. Of being distressed, overworked, worn out, and frustrated. Like my sisters are frustrated because their Debbie baby fathers don't bother. All they do is create little boys that play with toys that lack a progressive positive influence who then become big boys playing with rags, hanging out of back pockets, now crying on lonely street corners. So now those tears, you see those tears become libation for lost years. Absorbed in the concrete to reveal the footprints of how their sisters now walk these streets because there's no secrets. And she gives all her secrets to Victoria and Calvin, who's more inclined to disrespect her. When the hieroglyphs on Kunta's back, she's been a revolution. They compelled him to protect her. Instead, he neglects her, buying her soul and selling his own for diamonds and cars and now massacres and two-for-one deal. That's why I tell these poets to spit from your soul because this thing is real. But yet, what's more important is your actions when they stop the hand clapping. And you see, a revolution is not a poem. If it was, way before Barack and Michelle was on the scene, our children would have known that intellectual elegance is reachable. See, this thing here is teachable. But poets got to walk through the words they spitting through. I'm tired of poets that scream Black Lives Matter, but the only time they sit in is at open mics. The only time they feel like they dying in when they losing the slam. 
I need you to understand, it doesn't matter how many degrees you reach for, that just becomes your degree of separation, your disconnection from your people. If you don't let them know these hymns you spitting from your soul is spiritual, you see, egos have permeated this oral tradition. Poets have become the equivalent of ministers, preaching for skirts, and not religion. So most of what you see on this stage is revolutionary and just well-written illusional commentary. I'm talking about poetic cinematography, poetic minds trapped behind the moving bars of capitalism. So what they spitting for is commissary. Trapping your mind until you scream, set us, us free like Senke, because they still lost in translation. Because the truth is, most poets wouldn't know that they got slapped in the face with a fucking revolution. You see, they just spitting solutions, but words without actions become progressive constipation like postpartum depression. They don't want to handle the real issues, but I got real talk. While they outline white paper with black ink, my black babies are still being outlined in white chalk. So if you enter these poetry things with the mindset of up in your Facebook friends or packing your fist full of dividends, then the three minutes of this here joints, you've completely missed the point. The poetry is meant to pierce your soul, creating action, producing productivity. You see, spoken word burns in my soul deeply. So when you touch this mic, you respect it with reverence. You bring intellectual niceness, because this is like the soul of my people, man. Spoken word poetry, fucking priceless. Yeah. See, I told you, America loves niggas. 
for hating the grayos, negro, black ain't never been synonymous with nigga, cause black be protection, family, black education, excellence, no matter how you profile us, beat us, kill us, black ain't never been nigga, but always been a beautiful struggle, black ain't never been nigga, but black's been raped, robbed, miseducated, the hell with what they say, nigga ain't never had nothing to do with the color of my skin, but has everything to do with the content of their fucking character, so do you understand when I tell you that America loves niggas, cause America always been nigga, always will be nigga, the truth is that America ain't never loved black folk.
How long did it take you to blend his insecurities into a perfect page of poetry? Understand, I know I am not the completeness of your voice, but I'm also not the appropriation of your reality. I was given this voice by you. Baptizing your blood gave God the high five on the way out of your universe. Taught to stand side by side and knuckle up with the greatest revolution I've ever known, love, and respected, regardless of a pronoun, a woman. Young girls trying to validate their manhood. 
Like having extra notches in your belt and your pants sagging representing your life is all good. But brothers, I understand. Better yet, you're standing where I stood. Better yet, you're drowning where I swam. It's like I'm standing on the base of Jordan watch you gurgle your last breath. See, I can't push these poems out fast enough to reinflate your chest. So let's call it death by abandonment. A generation of people to treat their children like Jesus and show them no acknowledgement. So neighborhood cross streets now become their crucifix. So let's call them the passion of the Christ because they're dying before they show the world their true potential. So I send these poems up as melodic hymn notes asking my God to be forgiven. Because the truth is, the reason why they call our children vultures because they're scavenging on the bullshit that we've given. HIV. 
You see, I love my Uncle E, short for Eric. The life he lived until his death in 95 was epic. He said, society can't do anything to me that HIV hasn't already done. How can they hurt me when I have an apocalypse raging in my body? Like my white blood cells didn't know that God gave them privilege way before HIV made it so he couldn't show passion to anyone he loved physically. Basically made him an anomaly, but to me. Monty. He never could explain how I eased his physical pain by feeding him cocaine. You see, yeah, I did it. I held my soul in purgatory, gave my uncle my best friend, the only thing he asked of me when he said, Monty, I just want to feel numb, numb enough to ignore pain's embrace. Crying in agony, I watched his body break into fragments every time he regurgitated. It's like he couldn't hold on to my grandmother's purity. He couldn't hold on to his legacy. But the only thing that comforts me is those little packages I left on the doormats was the only thing that made his body feel free. I'm talking about like, home sweet home. Cause that's the only time the pain would allow him to smile at me. Walk tall like the model he used to be. As tears went off his eyelashes like scrolls, reading nephew, thank you for loving me. You see, I love the gay man who told me regardless of your color, creed, or sexual orientation, always be the man you want to be. Cause he was the baddest finger popping, hairdressing, crowd stopping, supermodel you ever want to meet. So understand me when I tell you, I love the gay man. Six feet tall, <coughs> dark chocolate, skin smooth like cream. It had more faith in God than any prophet I ever met. <laughs> Back out when you come home from your binge. 
That's why Western society hates a hustler like me. You see, I'll pimp your kids and have them turning tricks on literacy. Having young girls saying to hell with Kanye, we don't want D's, we flashing A's on them. By next summer, we going two-step and walk it out with diplomas. Detox these teachers from no child left behind. They're shooting up hypodermic needles on the teacher like he mine. Mine like, that looked a little weird, I'm sorry. <laughs> mine like, <laughs> my, my like pushing, Mind like pushing hair speedball and main lines as I take these young minds that are hooked on dreams and overdose them on raw reality. Spoon feed them kilos of inspiration so they have the dope not on success. Strong arm the board of education so they start pushing my fact sacks of knowledge laced with determination. Can you see I want to see panhandlers turn the men to handle strategic planning? Because to me, being a father to your baby is more economically sound than the quick fix for money. So I push fatherhood like backpacks are raw. Because to me, a baby daddy is short-lived like an eight ball to a crackhead. So dog, it's better said, I'm the only hustler you know that push $100,000 medic for a figure. Just so you can figure. When a beautiful sister fiends to be a professional, it don't matter what Wendy Williams say. She don't mean to give you all her brains. See, in this game, I've been known to create epidemics. The process is systemic. The movement is tedious. I got young girls coming to our venues to pass their first hit to their unborn fetus. You see, I do this to be relentless. Like CIA pushed Colombian gay. Like Bush soldier hallucinogens on terrorism. See, I want to be that weed and correct your cataract vision. I want to show you poor hoods turn to prosperous nations. I want to show you crackhead babies come positive manifestations. So do me a favor. When you start shaking and feeling, don't get scared. Just ease on down Ryder's block. Hop that fence over the Spitfire Boulevard. I'll be posted. Come holler. I got what you want. I'm your friendly neighborhood poetry dealer. That being said, my poetry is right here. This is a prelude to my book, Curbside Inc. This is called Influence of Life. It's a chat book. I didn't give you no fluff. A lot of the poems you heard in here tonight are in this. This is a $10 book. We have 18 poems over my lifetime, my pain, my struggle, and everything. I purposely put some of my top slam poems in this book because I didn't want to cheat anyone for charging $10 for it. So it is here. Nice. So please. Um, going? Um, good? Yes. You want more? Okay. Oh, somebody said yes. from his gravesite laughing. <laughs> Dumb niggas. I always knew your woman was the key. But we continue to treat her like plated pieces of metal that can be replaced as long as we have the master. Throwing her away each time she doesn't fit the mold we keep, we sculpting. 
forcing her in and out of our lives, our benaches on her emotions become dull and worn down. So now she become accustomed to being one key in a colored ring, color coded so we know just when to use her. As we use her curves as wedges to pry open new sexual situations for our enjoyment. Withering away her soul until it becomes a key to skeletons, feeling she has no choice but to open up the door. Leaving broken pieces of herself behind embedded so deep will always feel the piercing pains of what we have lost. It's like Willie Lynch is the locksmith who locked the inner mechanisms of our hearts so now future masters can tell us we be messed with. I mean, the passionate love she deserves been locked away like valuables in a storage facility. I mean, not allowing her to unlock our potential has made us weak enough to be broken off the hinges of who we are, unlatched, a treasure chest broken open, pirated. Forgetting she's the key to enlightenment has locked us behind doors of uncertainty, confusion, because we have been committing domestic violence way beyond the brink of physicality, and we have the nerve to stand in the mirror and ask the Lord, why me? Why me? Well, let's try calling her everything from a baby mama to a jump off while she takes care of our babies and we jump off. So it's evident why some women engage in homosexuality. But when you point one finger at her, there's three pointed back at us. Because we haven't realized she accomplishes everything she puts her mind to, but we only become accomplished by incorporating her mind too. Because she's the strategist. She's the only one I know that can raise a grade A student, a world-class athlete, and a doctor while living below the poverty line, co-signing her man's future. If you don't believe me, just go ask Coretta. Ask Coretta why Martin is considered a martyr and not an adulterer. So when I say she's the key, I mean she unlocks every emotion. She's the reason for our devotion. Her belief in me is the reason I can look fearless in the face of adversity. I mean, shit, I can carry the world on my back only because she's behind me massaging it. Sometimes, way back in the cut, not really being seen, but trust me, she's the force of my movement. The key to life mathematical equations. So call her the mitigating factor, the truth. Just the sway of her hips to have you singing it in different tongues. I mean, Creole, Spanish, African, because she's the essence that birthed nations. Our loss that call her Earth. Only creating storms in your life when you don't allow her to unlock your respect. So I see the depths of pain pooling in the small of her back, guarding herself against those who can't grasp the concept that any disrespect to her minus his respect for himself. That's why the vessels in her eyes nourish her her visions of hope. Hope to pull a boy out of a man is too scared to pull his pride off the pages of imprisonment. So send this message to Stella with a single tear. Tell her she never lost her groove. It was us that didn't know her worth. While you at it, go tell Maya. Go tell Maya I fully understand why she rises, always having to do more than a woman's work just to prove that she's phenomenal. Because it's a fucking phenomenon how one man could take our keys and hide them in between lines to stretch the timeline of 400 years by having us standing here checking our pockets. But we're standing right here in front of us, screaming, love me, I am the key. Love me, I am the key. I love you. You are the key. That was the great influence from New Haven, Connecticut. 
Thank you for listening to Next Up to the Mic. We couldn't do it without the very generous supporters of local poetry and spoken word. If you'd like to support this and other Albany Poets projects, please go to albanypoets.com donate. And if you're a business and want to sponsor this podcast, send an email to albanypoets.com. To find out more about the great poetry and spoken word community in upstate New York, go to albanypoets.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at albanypoets.com.